At U.S. Bank, when we say we're in it with you, we mean it. Not just for the good stuff, the grand openings and celebrations, although those are pretty great, but for all the hard work it took to get there. The fine-tuning of goals, the managing of cash and workflows, and decision-making. We're in to help you through all of it. Because together, we're proving day in and day out that there is nothing as powerful as the power of us. Visit usbank.com to get started today. Equal housing lender. Member FDIC. Copyright 2024. U.S. Bank. Good Wednesday morning. The survivors of that kidnapping in Mexico now back in the U.S. And we are hearing from their families for the very first time. It's March 8th. This is today. Dramatic rescue. Two Americans held hostage in Mexico, now safe and being treated at a Texas hospital. This morning, what we're learning about their violent abductions, the two members of the group who were killed, and the search for suspects in the case. We're live at the border. Growing fallout. Fox News host Tucker Carlson ridiculed and condemned by Democrats and Republicans alike for cherry-picking January 6th surveillance footage he was exclusively given to falsely portray the attack. I think it's that it was not just some rowdy, peaceful protest of Boy Scouts. Just ahead, what Carlson's own private messages are now revealing about what he actually thought about Donald Trump and his election lies, even as he pushed those claims to viewers. Stamp of approval, the White House throwing its support behind a new bill paving the way for a ban on TikTok. Are we one step closer to the popular app going away for good here in the U.S.? Midair scare, new details emerging about the man behind that violent attack on a United flight attendant, fellow passengers sharing their harrowing stories. He was standing next to us when he charged. As airline workers sound the alarm, demanding more help to keep the skies safe. In the spotlight, Buster Murdoch facing an uncertain future without his mother and brother and his father now behind bars for life. I can't even imagine to lose everything in your life that you've known. Inside the investigations he could face in the wake of his father's closely watched trial. Those stories plus girl power. It's International Women's Day and we're marking it with a big celebration, welcoming trailblazers from the military to the worlds of fashion and football as we honor the ladies today, Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today. Thank you for being with us on a special Wednesday morning. They were playing I'm Every Woman, and we get it. Today's <laughs> International Women's Day. We're celebrating. We have surprises. We have wonderful folks from the military, from all different all different professions. Iman is joining us as well, and we got a good old crowd out there ready to celebrate with us. Now, lots to look forward to this morning. But let's get to our top story. New information this morning on that kidnapping ordeal in Mexico. The State Department confirming two Americans were killed after cartel gunmen opened fire on their vehicle in the border city of Matamoros. Yeah, two others survived. They're now back home in the United States, and their families are opening up amid new details over just why they were taken. NBC's Morgan Chesky joins us from Brownsville, Texas, along the border with the very latest. Morgan, good morning. 
Yeah, Savannah Hoda, good morning. And it has been an incredibly active 24 hours here. We've learned that those two Americans who survived are now recovering inside this South Texas hospital after being rushed here in an ambulance. Details surrounding this incredible rescue are still few. But with those two lives lost, authorities are now searching harder than ever for that group responsible. This morning, two surviving Americans back on U.S. soil. Four days after a nightmare on the streets of Matamoros, Mexico. The bodies of two other U.S. citizens killed in the same incident were also recovered. A terrifying kidnapping where video showed gunmen dragging the victims to a pickup after unleashing a deadly barrage of bullets on a van with four U.S. citizens inside. Their whereabouts unknown publicly till Tuesday when officials found them at this small wooden house in a village about 15 miles away. Mexican authorities say they were taken to various places to create confusion and to interrupt the rescue work. The survivors identified by family as Latavia Washington McGee, seen here in an ambulance after being rescued. And Eric James Williams, whose older brother described him as fun-loving but tough. You didn't know where your little brother was. That was very hard. I, you, all, you just want answers. So it was a lot of anxiety. The family sharing Eric suffered a gunshot wound to his leg, but he's now recovering in a hospital. Williams was joined by McGee, her cousin Shaid Woodard, and friend Zendel Brown on the days-long trip from their homes in South Carolina to Mexico. All of them have known each other all, all their lives. They're childhood friends. A law enforcement official telling NBC News the trip was for a cosmetic medical procedure, and they were likely attacked for being mistakenly identified as Haitian smugglers encroaching on the cartel's turf. Mexican officials are investigating, but say their leading theory is that was a result of confusion. On Tuesday, the governor of Tamaulipas said one person who was guarding the victims was arrested. In Washington, the two lives lost. A grim reminder of likely cartel violence. The DEA and the FBI are doing everything possible to dismantle and disrupt and ultimately prosecute the, the leaders of the cartels. Well, Morgan, let us know how confident are American authorities that they're going to be able to track down whoever did this? Yeah, Hoda, we've heard from Attorney General Merrick Garland, who said they're going to use everything within their power to track down these individuals or group responsible. Important to note here that the FBI, while not on the ground in Mexico, says they were in constant communication with Mexican authorities as they pulled off that incredible rescue. And while those two surviving Americans are recovering inside this hospital, authorities say they want to speak with them as soon as possible to learn as much as they can about those Mexican captors. Hoda. All right, Morgan Chesky for us there. Morgan, thank you. Also this morning, TikTok is facing new scrutiny. The White House throwing its support behind a bipartisan bill that could be used to ban the popular app. NBC senior Washington correspondent Hallie Jackson on the story. Hallie, uh, how significant is this for TikTok? Well, significant, right? We don't know if it's going to pass Congress, but it is certainly the newest, latest threat of a national ban for this really popular platform. There's this bipartisan push for a plan that would give the Biden administration, via the Commerce Secretary, more power to make moves against tech platforms like TikTok, potentially blocking them from operating here altogether. It focuses on tech companies based in six countries considered adversaries. That includes China. Remember, TikTok is owned by a Chinese-based parent company, ByteDance, Lawmakers, because of that, worry about national security. And as you mentioned, the White House does support this new bill. But TikTok has said 
Listen, they work to protect U.S. user data. They tell NBC News in a new statement that a U.S. ban on TikTok would be a ban on the export of American culture and values to the billion plus people who use our service worldwide. Now, keep in mind, there's been momentum against TikTok here in Washington. You've already got TikTok getting kicked off government owned phones. It sets up what is expected to be, Savannah, a blockbuster hearing in a few weeks when the head of TikTok is set to appear in front of Congress. Yeah. And Hallie, put it in context with this because this is coming at a time of rising tension with China. I mean, just yesterday, a top official there making pretty threatening comments. Yeah, accusing the U.S. of leading both countries into basically conflict and confrontation, saying that the U.S. is speeding down the wrong path. We are hearing now from the Biden administration about that, saying, hey, the U.S. is not looking for conflict. Competition? Yes, but not conflict. You know there are flashpoints in this relationship. Think about that spy balloon that was shot down just recently. You've got China being you know, very sensitive about Taiwan, which is that self-ruling island that Beijing sees as its own. There's also concern about the possibility China could give Russia ammunition and artillery to help in the Russian invasion of Ukraine. That is something that Beijing denies. You know, the pandemic's also been an issue. China has threatened countermeasures, they call it, on countries like the U.S. that have put COVID testing requirements on travelers from China. But there's an update on that this morning. A source familiar with the matter tells NBC News that the U.S. government is planning to lift that restriction. Savannah. All right. Hallie Jackson with the latest there. Thank you, Hallie. Also on Capitol Hill, there is growing pushback from both sides of the aisle against Fox News' Tucker Carlson and his portrayal of the January 6th insurrection. The host using security footage given to him by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to make even more false claims about the violent attack. NBC's Capitol Hill correspondent Ryan Nobles has a closer look. Hey, Ryan, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. And Democrats had already raised serious concern about the release of thousands of hours of footage to the Fox News host. And after seeing Tucker Carlson's presentation, many Republicans are just as upset. For the second night in a row, Fox News host Tucker Carlson used his exclusive access to more than 40,000 hours of video from January 6th to create an alternative reality of what many witnessed and experienced on that day. Capitol Hill police, in some cases, escorted protesters through the Capitol as if they were giving a tour. More than 100 officers were hurt during the riot. Five people died, and at least a 1,000 people have been arrested. But Carlson chose to use the footage to downplay the violence while accusing the January 6th Select Committee of lying about what happened. In free countries, governments do not lie about protests as a pretext to gain more power. Some Republicans taking issue with how the host framed the violence. I think it's bullshit that it was not just some rowdy, peaceful protest of Boy Scouts. The Fox News host also accusing Capitol Police of willfully ignoring some of the attacks and even claimed without evidence the federal government had operatives in the crowd to fuel the violence. Capitol Police Chief Tom Manger calling the report, quote, filled with offensive and misleading conclusions about the January 6th attack. It was a mistake, in my view, for Fox News to depict this in a way that's completely at variance with what our chief law enforcement official here at Capitol thinks. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who gave Carlson access to the footage, doubling down on his decision. I said at the very beginning, transparency. And so what I wanted to produce for everybody is exactly what I said. It all comes as more internal communications have been made public as part of a Dominion Voting Systems defamation lawsuit against the network. 
They reveal Fox hosts, including Tucker Carlson, were increasingly uncomfortable with the way that Trump was lying about the 2020 election. We are very, very close to being able to ignore Trump most nights. I truly can't wait, Carlson texted an unknown person on January 4th, 2021, adding, I hate him passionately. And back to that 40,000 hours of video that Tucker Carlson was given access to, very little of which actually made it into his broadcast. The House Speaker Kevin McCarthy saying that he will give all of us in the media access to that material, but he hasn't said how or when that will happen. Hoda. All right, Ryan Nobles for us there at the Capitol. Ryan, thank you. We're learning more this morning about the suspect behind that alarming incident on a United plane, a man violently attacking a flight attendant and trying to open an emergency door mid-flight. That rampage leading to renewed calls to improve airline safety. NBC's Tom Costello is with us for that this morning. Hi, Tom. Good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. That man charged in this case appeared in court Monday after prosecutors say he attempted to stab a flight attendant during that flight. If convicted, those federal charges could put him in prison for the rest of his life. The new details about that terrifying attack on board a cross-country United flight are both chilling and disturbing. I will kill every man on this plane. On Monday, the defendant, 32-year-old Francisco Torres, pled not guilty to a federal charge of interfering with a flight crew while using a dangerous weapon. Tell them to bring SWAT to shoot me down because they're going to have to shoot me down today. Prosecutors say his incoherent rant began just 45 minutes before landing on United Flight 2609 from L.A. to Boston. He was standing next to us to when he charged. Fellow passenger Lisa Olson was seated just feet away with her teenage daughter and husband. After Torres tried opening one of the plane's emergency exits. I'm taking over this plane. He rushed and stabbed a flight attendant with a spoon he'd broken in the lavatory. As soon as he started running, um, a bunch of men just got up from their seats and formed, you know, started kind of chasing him down that aisle. There was like four to six guys you know, on him, on the ground. Flight attendants and passengers bound his hands and feet with zip ties. While incidents like this are rare, in 2022, there were more than 2,300 reports of unruly passengers, many involving physical and verbal assaults. But the flight attendants union says recent staffing cuts are impacting their safety. We are dealing with more passengers than ever before because our planes are full and we have fewer of us to be able to contain any issues that arise. The flight attendant who was attacked suffered non-life-threatening injuries. He'd been on the job for just four months. United Airlines says it's banned Torres from all flights pending an investigation. But those on the front lines say what's really needed now is a federal no-fly list for unruly passengers on any airline at any time. Someone could act badly somewhere and be banned and then get on another airline and do the same thing. And that's not a good plan. We reached out to Torres's attorney for comment. We have not heard back. As for that federal no-fly list, there is a bill in Congress right now pending, and it has the support of the DOT and also President Biden. Savannah? All of these issues are in the spotlight. We've got the FAA acting chief set to testify on aircraft safety. What are you expecting there? 
Congress is going to drill down today on how the FAA certifies planes after those two fatal 737 MAX crashes overseas. But we expect questions about a series of close calls on the nation's runways that we've been reporting. Six so far, and whether the air system has reached MAX capacity with planes and passengers, and whether that's really stressing and testing the safety margin. Savannah? Hmm, interesting question there. All right, Tom, thank you. In All Southern right. California, there's growing desperation this morning to reach residents who are stranded after a record-breaking snowfall. Volunteers navigate a maze of icy roads in the mountains outside of L.A. to reach anyone who may be trapped. They carry supplies, they conduct welfare checks on neighbors, and there's also concern for people who lost power. Gas leaks have led to some explosions, leading some without heat for days. Meantime, up north in Mendocino County, a woman was rescued after spending three nights trapped in her car during a snowstorm. Wow, wow. tough times there. We want to turn to Dylan in for Al this week, tracking some of these coast-to-coast storms. Yes, we do have more wet weather about to make its way on shore in the California area. So here's what you need for a big rain or snow event. You need a storm and you need moisture. So here's the storm well out into the Pacific Ocean. And this is going to strengthen as it approaches the West Coast. And then look down near Hawaii. You see all this yellow here? That's our atmospheric river, as we've been calling it. There's your moisture source. And it's going to plume that right up into uh, Western California, up near uh, San Francisco, into Sacramento. So we do have flood watches in effect, even some uh, flood warnings even in effect at this time. And conditions are going to get worse as we could end up with about six to eight inches of rain. Now, that rain is going to fall at some higher elevations, elevations that are coated in snow, So that means as the rain goes into the snow, it makes the weight of the snow even heavier. And it also means that we could see runoff. We could see avalanches. We could see uh, just more and more concern for that flooding rainfall with, again, the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountain range picking up about six to eight inches of rain. And then you go higher up in the elevation and we could see about 12 to 18 inches of additional snow. So this is going to be the next storm system that we watch, mostly, I'd say, into the Thursday, Friday time frame. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you very much. Still ahead this morning, what's next for Buster Murdoch? With his father now serving a life sentence for the murders of his own mother and brother, Stephanie Gosk has that story for us. You know, Savannah, there were a lot of dramatic moments in that six-week-long murder trial of Alec Murdoch. Perhaps one of the most striking was when Buster Murdoch took the stand in his father's defense. Coming up, we'll have an update on Buster and what the future looks like for him. Back to you guys. Plus, have you gotten them? The robocalls, the spam text. It's all I get. They're all on your phone. (laughs) Exactly. So how do you stop them? Vicki Wynn, she's going to join us with some helpful answers. But first, this is Today on NBC. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. 
Listen up, true crime fans. There's a big murder trial underway. Dateline is launching a new podcast with Andrea Canning. Welcome to Dateline True Crime Weekly. We'll cover breaking crime news around the country with the best reporters on the case, NBC News analysts, and Dateline producers on the ground. Break it down for us. You'll get behind-the-scenes scoops from crime scenes to courtrooms. Tell us what he said. Listen to Dateline True Crime Weekly now and catch new episodes every Thursday. Wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, 7.30. We're enjoying the United States Fleet Forces Ceremonial Band. A real special reason that they're here with us on International Women's Day, which we will reveal just a little bit. <laughs> Looking forward to that. We've rolled out the, the lavender carpet yeah, today. It's going to be fun. All right. We have a lot to get to this half hour. We're going to start with the fallout from the conviction of Alec Murdoch. Yeah, a lot of uncertainty now surrounds the future of Murdoch's surviving son. NBC's Stephanie Gosk is here with more on that. Stephanie, good morning. Hey, guys. Good morning to you. You know, Buster Murdoch is 26 years old. His entire immediate family is gone. His mother and brother murdered by a father who will be in prison for the rest of his life. The Murdoch name, once powerful and influential, is now just infamous. The impact of Alec Murdoch's crimes stretches wide, but few would deny Buster is the one who will shoulder the worst of it. Buster Murdoch was at his father's trial every day. The unmistakable red hair, hard to miss. Guilty verdict. Now that Alec Murdoch has been sent away for life for killing his wife Maggie and youngest son Paul, his oldest son is the only member of the immediate family left. But he's not entirely alone. Buster's world will never be the same. He does have a very loving family and support group. I, I can't even imagine to lose everything in your life that you've known. Everything in your life that you've ever known. And it is all happening under a relentless spotlight. On Sunday, according to a police report, Buster Murdoch called the sheriff's office after seeing this photo published in an article, telling police he observed a suspicious gray Dodge Challenger outside the residence. Buster's girlfriend said the couple was being followed by the media. How does Buster feel about your guilty? But police can do little about the attention that grew intense during the six-week-long trial, especially after Buster took the stand in his father's defense, describing the moment he learned Maggie and Paul were dead. I was, I was in shock. What kind of condition was he in? What was his demeanor? Yeah, his demeanor was, I mean, he was destroyed. He was heartbroken. I walked in the door and saw him and um, gave him a hug and just just broken down. When the verdict was announced, Buster put his head in his hands. But a bystander outside the court suggested there was even more trouble ahead, as Alec Murdoch was escorted away by police. He was apparently referring to the 2015 death of Buster's high school classmate, Stephen Smith. Smith's body was found on a rural road a few miles from the Murdoch's sprawling property. It was ruled a hit and run, according to the pathology report. But Smith's mother doesn't believe it. Authorities reopened the case in 2021 while investigating the murders of Maggie and Paul, although they have not officially named anyone in the Murdoch family as a suspect. 
Looking forward, there are signs the Murdoch family is not a united front. One of Alec's brothers, Randy, recently spoke with The New York Times, telling a reporter his brother, quote, knows more than what he's saying, that in his opinion, he, quote, is not telling the truth, guys. I mean, the the layers and layers Mm -hmm. here. Alec Murdoch still faces all those charges on the financial crimes, Mm -hmm. but what happens there could affect Buster as well, presumably? It, It could potentially, and it's a little unclear what Buster's financial situation is going forward. But if it's any indication, we know that Alec Murdoch had that staged murder of himself Mm -hmm. that failed, that he also faces charges, according to his attorney. And his hope was that after his death, his son would get those $10 million from a life insurance policy. Obviously, he had some concerns about the Mm -hmm. financial future for his oldest son. All right, Stephanie, thank you very much. All right, coming up, as we mark International Women's Day, we're going to meet a remarkable woman, a bunch of them blazing new trails in the U.S. military as the commanding officer of the world's largest naval base. But first, if you are getting more spam calls and texts lately, you're not alone, but Vicki Wynn is here to rescue us. You are certainly not alone. Good morning, ladies. Happy International Women's Day. Yeah, the FTC estimates those spam texts and robocalls have cost consumers a billion dollars in fraud. Coming up, I'm going to show you exactly what to do right now to stop it all. That's next, right here on Today. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the True Crime Original. We are back 738 with our Consumer Confidential Series this morning. A daily annoyance, and it's back on the rise. Unwanted spam on your phone. Yeah, and it's not only annoying. It could actually lead you to getting ripped off. NBC's senior consumer investigative correspondent Vicki wins here with what you can do to make the ringing stop. Hey, Vic. Good morning, Hoda and Savannah. How many car warranty offers do you need or those IRS emergency calls you're getting this time of year? But the thing is, it's not just robo-calls anymore. Robo-texts are now the new scam threat. There are some really sneaky way these fraudsters are trying to get to your personal information, and ultimately your money. Here are the steps that you can take right now to stop the noise. There was a fraud and misconduct on your tax, which you are hiding from the federal government. Consumers bombarded with unwanted communication. I recently got a message from this person. It says, hey, is this Simon? It's Amanda. A true test of patience. Are you a robot? You're talking to a real person. And the first sign someone is trying to scam you. According to the FTC, fraudulent texts are on the rise. Last year, people reported 321,000 texts and 294,000 phone calls, leading to a loss of more than a billion dollars. 
We get calls from 18 year olds to 100 years old. So do not think that you're invincible to these scams. Amy Nofziger is the director of victim support at AARP's Fraud Watch Network. What can we do to stop these robocalls and robotechs? First, we need to know that they're even happening, right? And then we need to use the technology that is already set up in our devices. It starts on your smartphone. First, organize your contacts list. Make sure that everyone you know is in there, including your doctor and your pharmacy. That way, if you get a call or a text from a number you don't recognize, you can ignore it. Next, use your filters. On an iPhone, go to settings. In your messages, turn on filter unknown senders. This way, you'll only see texts from people you know. For robocalls, turn on silence unknown calls. That means any call that comes from an unknown number goes straight to voicemail. On an Android, it's a little different. For texts, you want to go into your messages app and turn on enable spam protection. For robocalls, go to your phone app and turn on block calls from unknown numbers. For even more fraud protection, there are lots of apps designed specifically to protect you and your phone. Our complaint data from last year showed that for the first time, text was the primary method that fraudsters contacted consumers. Ben Davidson is the FTC's acting do not call coordinator. He says reports of robocalls are down 50 percent over the last six years, thanks in part to stepped up enforcement. We've sued software companies that create the software that robocallers use to blast the calls and spread them between networks. Long gone are the days of rooms filled with telemarketers. Today, it's mostly automated. Computers programmed to make Internet-based phone calls, hundreds, even thousands at a time. And the latest technology can be deceiving. Davidson points to Soundboard, where people monitor automated calls, then tailor the responses based on what the recipient says. And watch out for ringless voicemail, where you don't get a call, just a voicemail on your phone, tricking you into calling back. What's your advice to consumers? Well, the advice for robocalls is don't answer. If you have any suspicion, don't reply, don't click on a link. New rules of engagement to avoid modern phone scams. All right, so Vicky, what should you do if you do get one of those texts and you respond? You yeah. don't know that it's one of these robocalls. And especially if you lose money, you do want to report that to your local police and the FTC. They want to know about it. Uh, authorities say that these scams can actually be a form of organized crime. And also, no matter your age, call AARP's Fraud Watch helpline. They have tons of really oh. useful advice sometimes to help you get your money back. And just remember the four don'ts that my producer came up with. What? Don't know, then don't respond, don't answer, and don't click. Don't that's good. Oh, that's I like good. How good don't know, yeah. don't respond, to don't answer, don't like click. It. Yeah. Vicki, thank you. I like thank it. You. All right, 743. Let's head over to Miss Dylan Dryer. Check of the weather. Good morning again, everyone. We do have a storm system across the upper Midwest that's going to move through the Great Lakes and into the Northeast this week. Through Sunday, we have some winter weather advisories. We'll see the snow gather on Thursday through the upper Midwest, through Wisconsin, into northwestern uh, parts of Illinois. We could see some snow into the Chicago area. Severe storms possible on the southern side of this. And here we go into Friday night. New York and Pennsylvania will likely see some snow, but then this storm sort of just moves out to sea. And while we will see some accumulating uh, snowfall across New York and Pennsylvania, most of the big bulk of this snowstorm or rainstorm would stay out over the water. So here's your uh, snowfall forecast, especially back through Minneapolis and the southern Wisconsin, where we could end up with uh, several inches of snow, perhaps as much as nine to even up to 12 inches in some areas. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, Dylan. thank you. Still ahead, a man who does it all. Oh, he really does. Interesting. (laughs) 
Elba will stop by live with a sneak peek at his long-awaited return to one of his most popular roles. But first, Mike Tirico teeing up everything you need to know about tomorrow's start of the Players' Championship with a little help from former champion Ricky Fowler. Coming up right after this. You know what, Carson came up early. He's like, I can't miss <laughs> oh, this yeah. one. We're talking golf. I slept underneath this desk just for this <laughs> segment right here. It is Players Week, and since 1974, the Players' Championship has been one of the PGA Tour's most coveted titles. 144 of the best golfers in the world have descended upon Ponte Vedra Beach in Florida to compete for a piece of its $25 million purse. Our buddy Mike Trico is there, of course, joining us alongside 2015 winner Ricky Fowler. Ricky, I see that hole behind you, man. I think of the three birdies you made in about an hour's time back then. <laughs> In 2015, giving us some of the greatest uh, moments in golf. It's great to see you, pal. Mike, let's start with you. What makes the players so special aside from that gargantuan purse? Yeah, the trophy, the Island Green, the 17th. By the way, Dylan, you're, you're a pretty good golfer, so are you, Carson. All of us today, no shot. Ricky, it would be tough. <laughs> it is breezy down here today. That's the joy of this. It all comes down to 17 and 18, holes with water all around. But it's their championship. It's the players' championship. And this one has so much meaning. You can best describe it for the folks. Why is this one one of the special ones for you guys? Well, like you said, it's just special. This is this is our event. Um, it's the strongest field in golf. These are these are all the guys we, we play against throughout the year. Uh, top players, guys that played well last year, are currently playing well, and we're home at TPC Sawgrass. This is a a proper test. You haven't seen necessarily guys that are um, you know. Long hitters win or short hitters, there's been a good variety. The golf course yeah. does a great job of whoever's playing well, uh, those guys are going to have a chance. So I'm glad I'm not playing uh, <laughs> right tournament now. round right now. This <laughs> this is a little breezy and um, I might stick to the range and practice today. Good idea. Hey, Mike, I'm, I promise I'm not asking for my golf pick em league, but let's put your analyst hat on here sure. for a second. You've got John Rahm, sure. Scotty Scheffler, Rory uh, in the running. What do you expect to see this weekend? All of the above, Jordan Spieth, <laughs> Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler. Don't forget Ricky, who's got a second-place finish this season and three top 20s in his last five events. That's the one thing Ricky alluded to, Dylan, which is so true about this event as you watch on NBC over the weekend. A long hitter can win, a short hitter can win. There's not one guy who comes in on form where you say he's the heavy favorite here. You mentioned the names, the guys who are on a roll. John Rahm's playing great, Scotty Scheffler, Rory. All of them could be number one in the world when they leave here, so... The big names usually show up big time in this event. Ricky, it's so good to see you playing so well again. Uh, and you're doing it despite the fact that many, uh, well, at least one member of your immediate family is making it very <laughs> difficult for you to practice. I saw a little baby Maya out there as you're trying to hit a tee shot. I mean, how are you getting the, the work in when your daughter just wants to play? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, makes you uh, focus oh. when you need to focus. Um, <laughs> You know, time time is a little differently spent now with, you know, obviously still still practicing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, spending time with the family is, is what it's all about. So a uh, little more efficient on, on time to, uh, you know, make sure I'm taking care of what I need to do to be out here playing. But, um, you know, got to get as much time with her as I can, too. Good wow. thing Allison was there to save the day, right? Yeah, for sure. Ponte Vedra Beach is a special place for all the tour players because their families are down here. Such a big weekend for everybody, guys. Yeah, Allison was there for the pass-off of Baby Maya. That was Love good. That. And Ricky, congrats on Full Swing on Netflix. Big golf docuseries. Got a second season pickup. I know you had a lot to do in getting that off the ground. That was really incredible what's happening in the game of golf right now. So congrats on that, too. All right. Thank you, guys. Guys, Thanks, yeah, thank, thank you. you.
Uh, we brought a lot to that, didn't we, Hoda? I, feel yeah. like, I felt like I learned a lot. <laughs> you still here? Like, magic. <laughs> We're not here. We're like, Guys, like, tomorrow we're like about to channel on Peacock, yeah. NBC Golf Geeks, streaming on Peacock. You know where to find it. We're back with International Women's Day after this. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.